Well, I wasn't expecting that. Were you? Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going wheel to wheel as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The World Championship record is equaled. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! So if you hadn't have seen or heard, should I say, from my very uh, astute introduction there, today is all about surprises, all about the good surprises and the bad ones from this season gone by, the constructors that did rather well that we didn't expect, or those who did less good that we thought, hmm, I was expecting a bit more from them. So standard procedure as per the last two episodes, we have a group chat, it's a Bagsy system, whoever wants certain driver or team has to get in there first, pick them out. Uh, proverbially of course and then choose them for their own in this term of episode and um yes so let's get started with tristan who have you chose for your good surprise well surprises has been such an interesting one because there were so many surprises this year um for example just off the track for example we got to hear radios between teams and and michael massey and the fia which was a fantastic surprise i hope you enjoyed it. it's never happening again ross Braun will see to that um we also had some some other wonderful surprises we got to go to some some new tracks some good tracks some uh, less good tracks but we got mm-hmm. to go to new tracks nonetheless you know perhaps the greatest surprise of them all was the fact that we had such a championship fight brilliant great surprise but i decided to pick a driver for my surprise um and my good surprise was Fernando Alonso. Hey. Now, I think some of us in this podcast might have to eat some humble pie because yep. a few of us yeah. may have said yep. that he was too old, too <laughs> slow and mm-hmm. needed to move out the way for an upcoming young driver. And I stand by some of those comments that I made in uh, the beginning of the season because I'd still think that it would be nice if we had a new driver. However cannot detract from the fact that Fernando Alonso has executed El Plan perfectly. And I think he's done an absolutely smashing job this season. So how well did he do? Well, he beat his teammate, firstly, um, Ocon, by quite a few points. He got 81 points this year and had delivered us some very memorable moments, including taking third place at the Qatar Grand Prix, something that I don't know, we didn't expect. So not only did he do very well in his own right taking the podiums, but he also helped Ocon uh, take his only win um, so far in Formula 1 and deliver Alpine their first win um, under that name. So I think Fernando Alonso was definitely brought in to be a a guide. And I still love the bit where he goes, um, tell Ocon to defend like a lion. Tell Esteban to defend... Like a lion. <laughs> um, he delivered us that wonderfully memorable line as well. So yes, I think Alonso really has been a great surprise. He came 10th place this year and that's pretty darn good. That beats some significant drivers. And for the car, which is Alpine, I think it's. I think he's a, it was a really good move to bring him in. And I hope um, mm. going forward into the next season, he continues to be the Fernando Alonso that we all know, that hard racer, great defender and... I think the other thing is incredibly fair as well. There is something about the way he defends. It's not aggressive. It's just 
it kind of feels like you're watching someone irritate someone else. When he's, you can see Hamilton getting annoyed by the fact that Alonso is just always where he needs to be. He's got that sort of edge where he doesn't make silly mistakes and can just position the car perfectly. And I think Alonso <laughs> definitely has mastered the art of adding some extra inches to uh, his car um, and its width. Great choice. I think um, I'm definitely one of those people <laughs> who <laughs> I was quite mean about him. And and I completely agree with your your first statement, which was the sense that I would still I still stand by the fact I'd, fact I'd like to see some younger up and coming drivers in the team. However, you know, I think we're looking at, especially with this episode and the past couple of episodes, we're looking at what we had in front of us, not what would have been. Yeah. And what we had in front of us with Fernando was really, really impressive. And I think he did show us, you know, that, you know, that he's older, but he hasn't lost his skill. He hasn't lost his ability. He's a pure racer. And I, I did enjoy a lot of the times he was, he was um, battling with people and defending well. And I think you make a good point in the sense he's fair. I never really felt like he was going to have an accident. Like, you know, when you see two people battling, mentioning no mm. names, but of the obvious two people battling, um, <laughs> you kind of think, oh my God, which one's going in the wall? Like, are they both going off? Like, I don't think I've ever felt that way watching Fernando um, that I can recall this season anyway. It's obviously been a very long season we've <laughs> and a very busy one. But um, f- for me, yeah, I didn't feel that way about it when he was racing. So that's obviously a good skill. And it was nice to see him battling with the likes of sebastian and it just kind of felt like we'd gone back many years and it was actually quite enjoyable and i don't have a problem at all with him with his performance this year but i still want to see people like oscar piastri and everyone coming up soon but he did a very good job considering he was there and congratulations to him well done good choice tristan yeah i absolutely have to agree with that i mean alonso coming in from the sport after a two or three year break from it being mid-30s you know having that cycling accident as well which meant he missed a lot of testing but yeah there were so many elements going against alonso and i think really going against alpine as well which leads very nicely onto my pick for the good surprise being alpine and um as we said the expectations context and what we thought going into this is so important when it comes to picking and justifying uh, our choice and looking back at the start of the season there was so much going against Alpine you know they transformed from uh, Renault to Alpine which raised question marks over whether the uh, manufacturer's hearts were still in the sports Um, Danny Rick leaving of course three um, podiums there last season 119 points in that car and a car that was fighting for third place in of itself Uh, the team principal Cyril Levitable leaving as well under a cloud unclear why he left whispers that uh, the hierarchy of the French team had decided that uh, he was the reason that they didn't get that third place. The, you know, an isolated figure as well, no longer with McLaren, not with Red Bull, not with Alpha Tauri. And the drivers as well, as we say there, Alonso having a gap uh, in terms of Formula One. And we shouldn't forget as well that Ocon didn't really have a very good season in 2020. Many retirements, um, a, lot, a lot of points in of itself in terms of race to race, but finishing 12th in the Drivers' Championship, those question marks, for me anyway, about whether he was good enough to um, beat the likes of Aston Martin and Alpha Tauri going into the season. I didn't expect a lot from them. I thought they were very much sort of the sick team of Formula 1 regressing going backwards than going forwards. But now we look at the season, now we look at how they've done. Fifth in the Constructors, 155 points to their name. Ahead of Aston Martin, Alfa Tauri, who I believe on paper have the better drivers in Seb Vettel and Gasly. I think it'd be fair to say. 
And you saw a team here very much in harmony. I think, you know, Alonso came back and there were question marks over whether it would be Team Alonso as it was very much with McLaren when he was there. But if you look at the good results for the team, one driver followed the other and they were very close to one another insofar that in Hungary there was a, a win, of course, for Ocon and then the fourth place for Alonso, then the third place for Alonso, then the fifth place for uh, Ocon in Qatar. So they very much operated as a team, as we saw in the Drivers' Championship as well, being 10th and 11th. And, you know, I wasn't expecting a huge amount. I wasn't expecting them to get a podium or at least two. So I think that's got to be a good surprise. Um, and they've really, yeah, gone above expectations. I didn't think they'd be ahead of Aston Martin and Alpha Tauri. And, you know, now you see rumours that um, Omar Safna, who's, of course, just left Aston Martin, for those who don't know, and he's rumoured now to be going to Alpine, which makes you think, could things be getting even better for the French uh, side moving forward? So um, they haven't uprooted any trees. There's still problems moving forwards, I think, in terms of they're an isolated team and don't have too many connections. There's still Alonso getting older and how long he can keep up his good performances. But, um... I think a thumbs up for Alpine, really. Yeah, they've had a good season. Good point about Otmar Safnauer. Um, and I've seen some mock-ups, actually, fan-made mock-ups of an Alpine with the BWT um, pink on it as well. Not that mm. I think Otmar can um, necessarily deliver BWT to Alpine. However, BWT have actually just retracted their partnership with Aston Martin. Yes. So they, apparently yes. they were unhappy about how much pink was on the car. I like the lipstick myself, but I suppose as a sponsor, <laughs> you'd want a bit more than that. Um, and absolutely, I mean, I can't not pair uh, Alonso uh, with Ocon and the success of Alpine. It was, I think we were a bit pessimistic about the team, given where Renault were at the end of the 2020 season. And the fact that Danny Ricciardo was leaving, it kind of, it, it sort of, had the air of a team that was losing all of its parts and whether yeah. or not you thought Danny Rick was doing well there or not it's not good when your driver starts leaving and then the team principal gets booted out um, but I think what they've really shown actually is the the Renault engine was relatively strong the actual team was doing quite well as well and I think it was just a bit of a brand refresh this year that that was very successful. It's not like when um, McLaren was sort of going through their changes with Alonso um, being part of that, and they were sort of peddling the wrong ideas, trying to get the the super small size zero engine. Um, if you remember that in mm. 2015, uh, it, it felt like Alonso is is a key part of this and helping train the younger Ocon to to give him. Um, the best possible chance of success and there looks to be good backing at the moment from Renault with their engine development and of course Renault has had some reliability issues that's not that's let's not forget that's why um, McLaren decided to go back to Mercedes however going forward constructors seem to have the advantage over um, teams that purchase the engines so that that partnership between Alpine and Renault could be really really strong going in the next year and it was just a fantastic surprise to see Alpine you know competing against cars that perhaps they didn't have any right to uh compete against especially if you evaluate their the Renault performance from last year they weren't near the back they weren't slouched mm. by any means and they took a win I think another another good choice I feel like when we were obviously your discussions about Alonso sort of almost as you say paved the way for the for this choice and I think as well 
I feel as if Ocon's win was like a win for Formula One. Everyone was happy. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, just felt yeah. like a good day. And that's th- those sort of wins, are, I think, are really important for the sport because obviously, thankfully, this year it's been, you know, pretty tight. But even with just two or three people you know running running away with the, with the championship and all the wins and stuff it is nice for those sort of surprise ones and it really it, i think it sort of softened everyone's hearts really and i think that um alpine this year have actually really impressed a lot of people and i and i feel as if more people have a kind of interest in them now i can't I per, personally yeah. as well when they changed from renault and as you mentioned like danny rick left i kind of thought and they were called alpine and we were all talking about how weird that was and like <laughs> you know like we liked the car that was based on blah 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 but i i didn't really know what to expect and something it seems has almost just clicked in them i'm seeing the obviously these good results from them and also some great drives from both drivers there wasn't i personally don't feel there was really a lead driver um in ocon they were a really strong team with a strong performance on both sides um and i also feel like just generally as a team i was seeing more of their stuff on social i think their Mm -hmm. social was really great this year i think that there's just been a big step up for Alpine and I'm and for that sort of team and I'm I'm really pleased for them so good choice and um I'm just gonna go a little bit off topic now because yours were both quite nicely linked um and I'm gonna talk about my um good surprise um who was uh, Carlos Sainz so I picked a driver um for me I I hate to be rude to Carlos Sainz but I think he has been underrated and overlooked by me in particular, but by a lot of people. And I'm happy to admit that. When he was in McLaren, there was this big buzz around Lando and Carlos actually performed very well. And, you know, now when he stepped up to Ferrari, I think we all have to admit that everyone saw Charles as number one driver. Um, We, I mean, there was discussions about him being sort of like the filler until Schumacher was ready sort of thing because his deal was only a two-year deal where I think Charles Leclerc was four or maybe even five years. Um, So for signs, I think it was a a good step. No one thought he didn't deserve it going up to Ferrari, but I think that um, it was kind of, he would be a second driver, he would be there, he would get some solid results. But for me, he was a hugely, 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 hugely positive surprise. You know, Carlos finished last year, he only finished one place different. Last year he finished sixth in the championship, this year he finished fifth. But his points difference was massive. You know, he was, in 2020, it was 105 points. This year, he got 164.5 points mm. um, with mm. with four podiums. And for someone that's not in the Mercedes or the Red Bull, four podiums is amazing. And I mentioned not being in a Red Bull and not being in a Mercedes. He was essentially, he was best of the rest because... Yep. If you ignore those four people in those two cars, Carlos Sainz wins the championship. Do you know what I mean? If you cut out those <laughs> absolute powerhouses. So he had zero DNFs this year. And he I had a look at his, his sort of statistics for this year. And only, I think, twice was he out of the top 10. This, in, this entire season, no DNFs and only was out of the top 10 twice. Like he was consistent and he was strong and he had some really, really good results when it mattered. So... You know, I was I was so impressed. I think we were all surprised at the way that he was, you know, he was better than Charles. Um, and I think that it's he's really shown them what what he he's made of. And I think that for that move for him was perfect because he's suddenly there's been a spark. So he's suddenly performing kind of the way that perhaps we'd hoped, but we'd never seen before in twenty like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, blah blah blah. When he was coming up through um, through the ranks in F one, he was scoring sort of like forty points. 
per season mm. and suddenly like obviously I understand it's a natural progression but to be on 164 to be the best of the rest that's not Mercedes and Red Bull no one was expecting that and so for me that's a, a big surprise but it's a really really positive one and I, 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 I was going, looping back to the start just so I can round it off I do think that I would admit, and I'm sure because I'm sure the listeners are thinking, oh, I've I've admitted before that I think that I've I've definitely underestimated Carlos. And when I was thinking about my choice for for this, he immediately came to mind, not just to tell myself that I'm wrong, but also for everyone else because just look at the statistics. He was he was fifth place in the championship, and that and that's really really good. Yeah, I think you're bang on the money there. Um, and I think looking forward into next season, Ferrari will be secretly reevaluating their strategy in terms of who they give preferential treatment to. Because as you say, Leclerc was, and it still is to many extents, you know, the man of the hour. He had a larger con- he has a larger contract than uh, Michael Schumacher did in his pomp. And I don't think it's been spoken enough that he beats Charles Leclerc in his first ever season in a Ferrari car. So often is banded around the term of, oh, give them time. They're getting used to a new car, a new uh, garage, a new piece of kit, etc. But you see with someone like Carlos Sainz, that excuse, and I'm going to call it an excuse for later on as well, isn't used in this regard because he essentially has blown everyone out of the water with what they're expecting. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see him being given equal treatment to Leclerc because of the fact that he's earned it, you know, more broadly speaking. Um, I can't really add more than I'm just surprised he's not won a race this season because he's always been up and around the podium spots, as you say, been so consistent. And I think, you know, it's, it's hard luck on him that he hasn't been able to find his way onto the top step yet. It's only a matter of time, though, I think, given mm. uh, how well he's done so far in the Ferrari. You're right, actually, he, you know, he's... Um, I said before that science has been in so many different cars. You know, forget that he's he's driven for McLaren and then Renault and then Toro Rosso. <laughs> you know, he's been, he's been there, done that with so many of the, the cars. And one of the things is he just he sort of just picks it up. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he does well in Ferrari and then jumps off to somewhere else to do even better after that. And each time it's been a, a step upwards for Carlos Sainz. He did well at Toro Rosso and then at Renault he made some progression to McLaren where he started doing even better. And he's done he's done absolutely the right thing, I think, for his own career. And yes, we are all a bit quick to say, well, he's only going to be playing second fiddle to Charles Leclerc, the hero of Ferrari. But actually, mm. you know... <laughs> All all science needs to do now is match Leclerc and win at Monza, and he will be just as popular, I think. And let's not forget that the host of benefits that come with having uh, Mr. Carlos Science in your car. For example, Santander coming back to sponsor Ferrari. So everyone out there who has an old um, red and mm-hmm. white livery t-shirt or polo shirt or whatever um your merch is congratulations you're now back in fashion i just hope they don't make the site um, the santander logo too big because i always thought it looked like a santander t-shirt sponsored by ferrari rather than a ferrari t-shirt <laughs> sponsored by santander do you get what i mean um yeah. it looks a bit bizarre but yep just from just from the uh perspective of of the good surprise which is color science he's yeah. done so well and he needs to stop being overshadowed by every everything else going I on know. in the track he's like look i'm on the step and everyone goes oh you t- talk to you about that in a minute let's talk about <laughs> this you know yeah. points to a flaming 100%. trash can or something like that <laughs> And going from the good surprises now to those who did less so well, going from the third place team in the Constructors to the fourth, and looking at their second driver, it's fair to say, in terms of the Drivers' Championship, Daniel Ricciardo, 
Going into the season, I think it's fair to say we're all very excited about him being there. We really have to go into some back to our very first episodes of this season. And it was, you know, very exciting. Daniel Ricciardo in a, in a fast car that was the McLaren. He would be an improvement, we thought, on Carlos Sainz. But um, there we go. The idea of winning races and podiums was not too common, really, for the Australian. And um, it's fair to say that looking at the downgrade in points this season compared to 2020, he scored four points less. So... 115 versus 119 um, with five more races that he's been able to drive this season. What have our thoughts been on Daniel Ricciardo? What's gone wrong for him and um, how can he improve it for the next season? Well, I completely agree with your point, be it also Angus's point, because listeners, Angus did point out in the group chat that he would like to talk about Ricardo, but unfortunately he once again isn't able to join us because he's busy and works super hard. Um, But yeah, I, I do agree well, as you mentioned, listeners can go back and remember the pure joy we had. I mean, especially I, me in particular, and I think um, you were the same, Tristan, being a McLaren fan. Mm-hmm. I was so excited for the announcement when it was it was literally going to be Danny Rick and Lando Norris together. I was like, what a dream. Um, but obviously that quickly kind of <laughs> didn't pan out as we hoped. For me, it has been disappointing because... Daniel Ricciardo is someone that really no matter who you support, you want to see succeed. Maybe it's just because you want to see like that face do you know what i mean that face <laughs> that smiling face yeah. that gorgeous smiling face um and i just think that i just think that it has been disappointing for him and the worst part is, is you know that he's going to be kicking himself he's going to be beating himself up about it thinking he's not good enough he's a very self-critical person and it just ha- it just hasn't been his year and it has been a shame to see someone who like lando who is a much younger newer driver with nowhere near as much experience getting far better results than him like it it, it is difficult and it's a shame and you you could go back to that point that you made before about always getting used to the car but of course carlos Sainz didn't have that trouble um Mm. but you know he's getting used to the car he's getting used to blah 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 but at the end of the day he was being outperformed and it wasn't it didn't turn out how i think he or mclaren expected it to so i think angus's choice is is a good one there be it a disappointing one for me especially i i I was really hoping this would be a big year for daniel because some of my favorite moments in f1 were, were him you know in red bull um with the successes he had there and i just really hope that after the disappointment of renault be it also some successes um i think that I hope that this year would be better for him, but it wasn't. So he is, yeah, a disappointing surprise, unfortunately. He definitely had moments of magic, though. Um, of course. Here's me immediately coming out in his defence. Um, and to, to, to take the a win for McLaren was, was fantastic. I mean, yeah, um, I feel like, yeah, I didn't... <laughs> we just kind of forget about the fact he won. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, to be fair, uh, with for Ricardo's season, it was definitely sort of a, a sine wave sort of graph of of um how well it went at the beginning it was sort of low and not very good and then it kind of ramped up until we had that peak halfway through when we hit monza and then it's sort of mclaren as well went (laughs) down um we got to sochi and then it just all went wrong after that um so i think what ricardo's season has shown us was that there is some great potential in there for for greatness and Ricardo is definitely able to push the car to its um, limits. And to be fair, he did a great job defending against Max in, in Monza. And he just kept his head down. And, and that's the kind of, of Ricardo we know. But yeah, Ricardo definitely pulls up, needs to put up his socks. And I'm looking forward to that great big Australian smile. Um, and many more shoeies um, being on the, on the podium um, next year. 
Yeah, uh, we definitely shouldn't take away the fact that he did, in fact, win a race this season. But I suppose that is just a testament to how high our expectations were of him and of the team. I thought that, uh, as McLaren did in the first half of the season, they would nail down third place, hold it there, then be a nuisance, really, for the two big teams, Mercedes and Red Bull. But that really just didn't happen. And looking at the stats, it's quite you know damning, really, when you consider that he's nearly 50 points away from signs. That you know, equates to nearly two race wins. Only five more points than Gasly, who's in the sixth best car. You know, forty odd points away from his teammates, and didn't even score points in eight out of twenty-two races. You know, I don't want to detract from that race win, but I do feel that if you take that win away, then what do you have from this season? And you know, it's get to the point now where Ricardo is thirty-two years old. And you've got to think that yes, the excuse of He's getting used to the car. He's getting used to the new manufacturers, as was the uh, the line when he went to Renault as well. But at this point, you've got to think he's got to be a bit more adaptable, like signs. Otherwise, he's wasting years before his best years go, if that makes sense. So I am concerned for him. I do believe that he's been a downgrade on signs in, in the short term. But I suppose the bigger question is whether that is a continuous downgrade or whether he's able to jump back up and have a great second season with McLaren, as he did with Renault you know looking back at history he does take a while to get going and then shoot back up so there is always that positive looking forward to next season fingers crossed he's got the uh, tools to do the job this time and um, the regulations haven't uh, gone against him shall we say in terms of McLaren's development thing is though I think the other thing this season is we've had that that one side of it which is drivers who perhaps haven't had the right car to do really really well perhaps we might throw Mick Schumacher into that as a bit of a, a, a bad surprise there with his just it's not really necessarily his fault but he just can't get anywhere um but on the other hand we have the drivers who kind of had the car but were kind of in nowhere themselves for to, to sort of push it to the limits um and for me this links into my bad surprise which is unfortunately Yuki Tsunoda and I feel rather personally let down by Sonoda to be honest because I was peddling how good he was going into the season so I feel like I invested my uh, heart and soul into Sonoda hoping we would have a fantastic talent come to the the sport that would immediately be able to stick it to the uh, to the established drivers and demonstrate you know how well uh, he can drive and unfortunately Sonoda got only 32 points this year that's actually only 16 more than George Russell um he stormed into the season with high hopes as I say and and he just sort of kept crashing actually um his best start was seventh he qualified seventh um and his best finish was fourth but you know that's kind of the one one moment that he got to that fourth position he had a 14% retirement rate this year. Um, that's one in seven races. So he retired but three times. Um, but he wow. just he was just caused a bit of a nuisance for for himself and and the rest of the team. It was uh, he caused problems for the Red Bull team in Mexico when he caused problems during qualifying. He was constantly in accidents um, throughout the season, putting that, the debris um, on on the track. In fact, even in a um, in a press conference with Yuki Tsunoda, they were discussing how much it costs to uh, build the car. And he said, well, if you've got me, then uh, a lot more. So even <laughs> he understood that he was crashing quite a bit this season. So uh, maybe it was a nasty surprise, but 
I have high hopes for him next year. Um, uh, mm. I'm just going to keep pedaling till I'm, I'm I'm right, I think. But at the end of the season, he did start to pick himself up a bit. But by then, it's kind of too late. There's no point demonstrating your talent in the last race of the season when you haven't scored points in the rest of the season. It, it just doesn't really demonstrate um, your overall talent. So, yeah, a bit of a nasty surprise. I think lots of people were expecting very good from things from Yuki, but the man just needs to calm down a bit. There was a lot of swearing, a lot of crashing, a lot of fighting. And as I say, he didn't really hold a candle to Pierre Gasly. We all, I remember the episode quite clearly. I think it was after the first testing we were oh my goodness you know he's gonna be amazing like the, he's the future all this about how quick he was the biggest surprise blah 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 blah. Mm. and yeah it is it is actually a great shame more than anything i'm i'm just disappointed for him and for us because i think we a lot of people had this expectation of what he could possibly bring to the to the to the sport and unfortunately at the at this this year anyway it, it just didn't happen and i do think that there's, there is something about being sort of a fiery, aggressive young rookie, but and you know we've seen Max do it, do it, you know when he first when he first joined the sport. However, I do think as well, you don't really necessarily want to explode into the sport if you can spend some time gaining some experience, getting some solid results, rather than taking risks or perhaps making unnecessary moves or just being aggressive or making mistakes, etc. That actually sort of tarnish the the reputation that you're only just starting to build and there have been some incidents with him and obviously as we know he he's he's spoken badly about the team a couple of times and he as you say was swearing quite a bit and i think all of that it, it is such a shame because on a whole he's you know he is a, he's a good driver he's a good guy um but for me it just hasn't been his year and um, i do hope that he can change change our minds on that for next year because there's definitely something in him like he has got that fire it's just mm. a matter of controlling it and you make a good point about pierre um they you know he can argue that i'm wrong yuki i'm sure yuki would argue that i'm wrong but essentially they have the same car <laughs> yeah. um although yuki suggested that that's not the case on a, on a few occasions but and pierre's performances this year as last year as many of the previous years have been very strong and yes he's more experienced but I think that if he's also very calm. I think if Yuki just took a step back, he he really could do well. So I really, you know, I'm hoping for good things for him. But a good choice, Tristan. I, I think that's that's fair enough. Testing for Yuki Tsunoda was almost too good in many ways. He almost set the bar too high for himself, I think, because no one really is noticing too much what you do in, t in testing unless you're not there or unless you're sort of doing really, really poorly in your, you know, 10 seconds, 20 seconds off the pace, so to speak. Everyone just goes, oh, okay, it's testing. We'll wait and see what happens in the actual races. So in many ways, he could have done with testing not being so good for himself and then maybe our expectations along with, I think, many other fans of Formula 1 would be a lot lower. I do stand by what I said way back when that he should have had another season in F2. I don't think, and as we've seen this season, that he's ready in terms of maturity. He's a very volatile man. He um, has highs and lows, which is great, but you want to go and keep the highs high and the lows not so low, which is you know easier said than done, shall we say. And he has been disappointing, but I think we should always consider that 
he's up against Pierre Gasly. He's been in that Red Bull family, quote-unquote, for so many years now. He's always done very well in the AlphaTauri Toro Rosso car. So perhaps it was always going to be likely that he's going to do less well. But yes, there's a case to be said that um, he shouldn't have done as badly as he has done. But I suppose he can take some comfort from the fact that a fourth place in the last race is a very good achievement in of itself. The question now is, as has been the case really for the Red Bull team of old and the academy more generally, they tend to end the season very well, I believe. Albon and Gasly did similar, but then come the start of the next season, you know, it's not great in terms of ending great, but then starting poorly, you want to flip that round. You know, Red Bull have done that this this season compared to seasons gone by. Hopefully, Sonoda can do likewise. But, um, yes, a steep learning curve, I think, for him. And um, I think for many of us as well, when it comes to testing, that, yes, you know, you can be great in testing, but that is only a snapshot uh, of, of what's to come and not, as we see, always reflective. We'll, we'll move on now so we're not here forever um i chose my bad surprise to be aston martin um and it kind of isn't surprised that i've chosen this bad surprise if i can say surprise any more times in a sentence <laughs> because i did discuss as you may remember previous episode uh lance stroll being my worst driver and I did discuss during that and mention that a lot of it actually was to do with the car and with the team. And I've made some notes here on sort of a comparison um, to previous, to last year. Um, so in 2020, that was obviously under a different name, but for the team itself, that was a very, very strong um, year for them. They came fourth in the championship. And obviously that was exciting in itself, that battle with McLaren. And obviously they didn't, quite clinched that third place but it, it was such a, a brilliant year for them they scored 195 points and three podiums obviously which included that amazing win i think if you then quickly switch to look at this year it's obvious from the statistics even if you even before you start thinking about it as a fan um they fourth in the championship last year championship last year they were seventh this year they only had the one podium and their points i think is the biggest thing for me 195 last year they scored 77 points this year and when you look at the gap above them i think that's quite important to sixth place they had a gap um alpha tauri were in sixth place above them and there was a gap of 65 points this is essentially double <laughs> their mm. almost their points that they had total they were they weren't even close to sixth place like as if and then the previous year they'd been almost touching third and for me this is just so disappointing because i i do think that um last year they did bring a lot of excitement and obviously some of it was negative with the whole mercedes nose drums and everything but 2020 was an exciting year for that team and then with this switch they've they've got sebastian vettel on board they've got racing green i personally and i think a lot of us did have quite high hopes for this team and it's the way it's gone is pretty much summed up by the fact that, the, that something you mentioned earlier is the fact that Otmar has left the team now. Mm. Um, and what you know, we don't know the full details of it, but this has not been the year that he would have wanted or what the, the board would have wanted. Um, I, I think that they are clearly, and obviously we covered the worst people in the, in the worst episode. I think that clearly Aston Martin were not awful. 
However, I think when we're looking at the difference between years and what we were expecting going into the season, for me, they've been one of the biggest disappointments because I didn't expect much from Haas, for example. But I did expect a bit more from Aston Martin. They're building new facilities. That everything is forward. Everything is, you yeah. know, this exciting push forward. And, you, and for them, this this is a massive step back. Um, so that's why I chose Aston Martin. I, I, it sounds like from your sort of nods and well, I say nods, <laughs> virtual nods. Your, <laughs> your virtual nods and mm's of agreement that you that you do agree. And just what before I before you you comment on that, I just wanted to mention Tristan. You briefly brought up Mick Schumacher. I sort of scribbled his name down early when I was making some notes because I also would would kind of put him in this category of perhaps a disappointment, but I wouldn't call him a bad disappointment. I would call it a was not able due to other circumstances <laughs> to live up to what, what we may have hoped. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. I started writing him down as, as bad and I was like, well, this is unfair on the boy. Like he, he had no other choice but to be bad because of where he bought like the car that he's in. But generally, I, I mean, I think that the expectations for Mick Schumacher, given his name and given also his success in Formula 2, which was such a strong season for him, I think that there was an expectation for Mick that maybe was unrealistic set by all of us given where he was but I, I he is a bad disappointment but not a bad disappointment but yeah to going back to Aston Martin let me know what you think <laughs> well I think I said at the beginning of the season that I was looking forward to the fight between McLaren and Aston Martin and that was going off the results of the 2020 season when they were called Racing Point and um to be fair, it was a bit of an underwhelming fight and it went in McLaren's favour. But it, it would have been nice to have seen Aston Martin do a little bit better. I, I think the problem is, I think we said this in the last episode with Aston Martin, was they, they copied Mercedes and as a result they got hit quite heavily by the changes to the F1 rules which meant that you could do less fiddly things with the floor of the car. Um, and that meant that lower-raked cars um, were negatively impacted because the higher-rate cars could do some other fancy things to get more suction to the ground, whereas lower-rate cars didn't take advantage of that and, and did other things. But um, there you go. There's my non-technical description <laughs> of what went on there. Point is, Mercedes were badly impacted by this. And as a result, their copycats, Racing Point, were too. So they really had to try and develop the car without knowing why everything is where it is which is very difficult it's like it's like taking a recipe that you didn't construct yourself and try to enhance it it takes a bit longer <laughs> than if you constructed it in the first place um so they were definitely not doing brilliantly and to add to that sebastian vettel did all right um angus spoke about that in great detail in the last episode of the um of f1 review and Lance Stroll was sort of nowhere this season. If yeah. I think back to the the serious, um, if I think back to my, my most significant memories of Lance Stroll, it's things like in Baku when his tyre failed mm. rather than Lance Stroll's incredible success. And for example, in 2020, remember he got podium, sorry, he got a pole position at Turkey. So mm. think about the difference in, in those those memories from this season with the Aston Martin team. It hasn't been their successes, their moments of, of glory. It's kind of been, oh, look, the Aston Martin team is going to be the first one to try the dry tyres in Turkey. 
well that went badly didn't it you know it's stuff like that and and the, their reasoning behind it was well we've got to do something and it might be our opportunity to get a get a podium and i kind of feel like that's where they're at this season they've been a bit lackluster and they've just sort of been trying to do anything to to get some success because they are putting all their resources in for next year and to add to their you know insult to to injury they've lost bwt as their um their sponsor which is a bit of a shame but as i say fingers crossed next year looking forward to the fight between aston martin and mclaren yeah um i mean they've really been nowhere haven't they aston martin and i i won't add too much into far that bwt leaving and otmar leaving as well Alarm bells should be ringing for fans of Aston Martin. This is very similar to when Renault were departing the sport at the end of 2020 and when Alpine was born, but yes, in this case, the name hasn't changed. But still, things seem to be going in the wrong direction and we can only hope, or Aston Martin fans can only hope, that after listening to my dissection of Renault now Alpine, they can go in a similar fashion of looking like they're heading in one direction and going firmly in another but um only time will tell on that one and let's end this episode on a bit of a bombshell with my biggest surprise in terms of the worst one and i've gone for a rather controversial sergio perez and if you look at the last seven races of this season everyone would say tom what are you talking about he's had a good a surprisingly good season at the very least get off the man's back and you know it's, it's fair to say you know three third places two fourths but isn't that what you really expect from the second driver of arguably the best car on the grid? And when you look back at the entire season in its entirety, and you consider that Perez has brought in on bigger money than Albon and Gasly, and the aim for him and the team was indeed to win the Constructors, they didn't do that. And while Max did win the Drivers' Championship, I think there's an argument to be made that Max wanted more of his own back, more than uh, Sergio Perez's help. Yes, there were occasions where there was excellent teamwork, but I think the occasions of that were few and far between. And when you consider there was a 28-point gap between Mercedes and Red Bull, you've got to think to yourself, is Perez as much of an upgrade as we, we thought he was going to be? And, you know, personally, I thought he was going to be a hell of an upgrade on, on Albon, and he was. But um, he's not really set the world alight, it's fair to say. And um, I didn't expect him to be winning races by any stretch of the imagination, especially with those two drivers at the top. But I expected him to be in and around those two drivers, which... He wasn't really on many occasions, especially when you compare him to Bottas, someone who we've all said he's not had a very good season out of himself. He didn't really keep up with him very well either. You know, there's a 36-point gap between him and Bottas. Uh, you consider that Bottas, you know, won in Turkey. He got a second place. He got nine third places. Now, compare that to Perez, a, a win at Baku, which arguably I'd say was gifted uh, to him by Hamilton and the, uh, the the wrong lever that he pulled there and three third places, which I spoke about. You can't really say that Perez has been amazing this season. I wouldn't say he's been bad because he finished fourth in the construct in the drivers championship. That's, you know, very much par for the course. Anything below that would be concerning. But, you know, he got smashed in qualifying as you'd expect by uh Verstappen. Often it was the case that he performed very badly on a Saturday. They had to claw it back uh on a Sunday and that's that seems to be the second seat of the Red Bull way, shall we say. And when you consider what he did last year, you know, a P2 in Turkey, a win at the uh, Sakir Grand Prix, I am slightly disappointed. It may be me being optimistic and naive insofar as thinking he'd be a stonking improvement, but um, 
He's lacked consistency in my view. And if Red Bull want to win the Constructors, they need a consistent second driver, not one who has good purple patches, I'd say. Mic drop. That's a very controversial one now, isn't it, Tom? It's bold. Mm, sorry, and I, I, I'm going to have to <laughs> fundamentally disagree with you because I wouldn't say he's a nasty surprise. Like, if you you unpacked Sergio Perez from a at Christmas, you wouldn't be like ah, did Sergio Perez? You'd be like ah, Sergio Perez. It's a nice so, Mexican yeah, man. He, he's I mean I, yes, he hasn't been the most consistent, and I didn't put him as my best driver because I didn't want to be uh, persuaded by his the tail end of the season, and I stand by that. But what I'd say about Sergio Perez this season is he, he definitely picked up um, the gauntlet from both Pierre Gasly, I suppose, and Alex Albon and ran with the Red Bull car, which is notorious to be difficult to drive and um, definitely pushed it to to its limits. And he did a good job. I think he just managed to be pretty good throughout the season and I'm going to use the excuse, which is he's new to the team, and is. that <laughs> is that can forgive him a little bit. Um, mm. I think that definitely he showed uh, his mettle when he held up Hamilton in the final race of the season, and I just think throughout the year he's he's been okay. I I think maybe if you expected Perez to be the next Max Verstappen or like that, then you were kidding yourself to the B at the, at the beginning of the season, which I think is, I didn't expect him to be incredible. I actually expected him to sort of get sort of fifth position. So I don't think he is necessarily the, the, the nasty surprise, but I can understand how you might think he's been a bit underwhelming at times. Yeah, I think you've you've worded it quite well, Tristan. Because I actually I found myself agreeing with a lot of the points that Tom was making. That really? you're making, Tom, about uh, no about like the way that at times you know perhaps given the car compared to Valtteri, etc. But if we're looking at was he a bad surprise? I think I would say no because I kind of similar to Tristan. I didn't really expect loads like obviously you expect a certain amount from someone in that car but i generally think i probably would have put him forth at the beginning of the season i may have done i can't remember what we did but for me with valtteri's experience in the mercedes he was always going to finish above sergio and i think sergio was going to be behind those other three but i i didn't i don't find personally his results disappointing or um not surprising and i remember you know at first i was just a bit miffed about the whole situation because i was so disappointed for alex um <laughs> given the way it all went down and i did kind of almost feel as well that it was a bit of a red ball going oh god now who do we get in uh we need to get rid of alex he's not performing oh he, he just that guy just won a race like <laughs> you know honestly that is kind of how i felt and so i don't actually think i was expecting fireworks from Sergio I was expecting a strong performance he he drives so well but he doesn't drive like Lewis or Max mm. and and perhaps Valtteri so I think I I didn't expect any more than fourth from him and to be honest I think he's very consistent he's very on par with what I expected so I congratulate him on that <laughs> he, he didn't perform worse than I expected in any way um and I don't I think it would have been difficult for him to perform any better so I I disagree with your overall choice Tom but I think that some of the points you made about about his performance this year were, were definitely really valid. Just shows it's all about perception, isn't it, really? Yeah. I have high hopes for him next year, though. I, I genuinely well. think that 
he will be battling with George Russell and, and Lewis Hamilton a lot more. And yeah. he definitely played the wingman better, I think, than Bottas this year. But of course, listeners, if you want to, if you want to pass on your thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Mm-hmm. And you can check out uh, the rest of our, this series of of our reflections on the twenty twenty one F one season um, using the the links in the description. And so ends episode thirty eight of another episode of F one in review. Thank you very much for once again tuning in. Do of course listen to prior episodes if you haven't already on your platform of choice, be that Apple Podcasts, Podfollow, Spotify, whatever your jam is. And follow us on social media if you're not already doing so on Twitter at F1 in Review, all one word. We're over there. We post the episodes on there as well. So scroll back if you're uh, not wanting to do so on your chosen platform. There is another episode after this one coming directly next Friday as well. We are going to be going back into the archives and looking or listening should I say at our prior predictions at the start of this season and seeing which ones aged rather well and which ones frankly did not so if you want to go and see us have egg on our face eat humble pie and all the other proverbials then by all means tune in next week and we look forward to having you again until next time thank you very much for listening